So today we have a different service, but don't be afraid. You will still be blessed. I know that. So tune in to this, uh, the service. Tune in with your spirit. Be ready with your books and your notepads, and God will meet you and give you a message. Amen. 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 So if you're like me, there are so many times where, you know, your pastor or your bishop has preached in church, and you wish that you could ask him for some clarification or ask him a question to understand something even better. Um, however... For some reason, the opportunity never comes. But today, we have the opportunity. Amen. 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 Exactly two weeks ago today, uh, Bishop preached a, um, a message on overcoming spiritual errors, avoiding spiritual errors, with particular emphasis on the error of hearing from God. And by the grace of God today, we have him here to ask all the questions that we want and to get more understanding, more clarification, and to get better education on avoiding spiritual errors so that we do not fall into that trap. If you're a member of CCI and you've been reading your Bible, you know that we've been reading Proverbs. And Proverbs tell us that in all our getting, we should get understanding. So this evening is understanding evening. Ask all the questions you want. Don't keep them so that we can all learn together. Amen. Amen. We have a few questions that have come in already, so we'll start off with those questions. If you haven't sent a question already, don't worry. Type it in Facebook or YouTube, and we'll pick it up, God willing, and we'll answer your questions. If you think you don't have any questions from that time when he preached the message, but as he's speaking today and, and helping us to understand some more, something just drops into your spirit. Type it in there. We'll trust in God that we'll be able to get to it. And if we don't, we know that God will make another way. Amen. 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 So without much further ado, I would like all of us to join me to welcome our own Bishop, Bishop James Antensaki, with a clap, some emojis online, <laughs> dancing in your room. Let's welcome Bishop James. Thank you very much, Papa, for making the time to speak to us. We do not take it for granted at all. And um, I know that we'll have a, a really blessed evening. Yes. Um, I've seen some of the questions that have come in. And yes, we'll have a lovely time. So keep, keep your ears out. And um, yes, we'll have a lovely time in the presence of God. Amen. 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 So I will start off, uh, yes. Bishop, if you allow me, yes. unless you want to say something before we start. Oh, well, welcome, everyone. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting night. But I want us to pray shortly before the questions start flowing so that the Holy Ghost will help me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Amen. we thank you in the name of Jesus for your presence this evening. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide us into all truth. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth Amen. in the name of Jesus. Let us learn this evening. Give us answers as accurately as we need it. And we pray in the end. Let our faith be strengthened in God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, so we go into the very first question. And um, it says that if someone thinks that they have heard from God, mm. um, should they sit and wait for their pastor to give them confirmation? Or do they actually have to take a step and tell him what they have heard and hope that he will confirm or not confirm it for them? Okay, thank you very much for the question. So the question is, if someone feels that they have heard from God, um, should they 
sit and wait for their pastor to confirm it or should they take a step to go to him and draw his attention to what they have heard? All right, that's a very um, good question. And the thing is that um, there are two ways of approaching this very um, question. And that is, number one, if you have heard from God, um, God speaks to us because we are Christians. And once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are a candidate for hearing from God. And God speaks to us in many, many ways. But it's always very important that when it comes to God speaking to us, that there is always the need for form of confirmation and as a form of guidance. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that if anything is revealed to any other person, let the prophets judge. And then all things have to be done in order and in decency. So for your own safeguard, I mean to safeguard the person who has heard from God, because scripture also says, if you follow on from the teaching I made, that there are many other voices. And, and so we are asked to also test the spirits. And so if you are a member of a congregation and I am your pastor, for instance, and you said you have heard from God, the scripture says we should test the spirit. So you are not the only one to test the spirit. Your pastor must also test what kind of spirit you have heard from. And so when you speak to the pastor, there are two ways of approaching it. Number one, you can actually wait for God to reveal to your pastor to confirm it. And that's one of the most powerful ways because in that case, you didn't say anything. The confirmation comes in. So it's one approach for the work, uh, for that to be done. The second one is probably you are waiting and it's going on. And so it is also not wrong to approach your pastor and to say, I've had this revelation. Either it came by dreams, an audible voice, etc. And so your pastor will be able to tell you that, yes, it is the word from God. Or he will say to you honestly that, you know what, let me wait and also check with God and I'll come back with you with a confirmation. Both approaches are not wrong. It all depends on the circumstance in which you receive the revelation, what the timing was, etc. Sometimes somebody may receive something from God and there appears to that person that there's a timeline. Mm. So in that case, assuming it says that in two months, I'm going to do this. Um, then in that case, you want to be sure that you get a confirmation prior to the two months. Um, but sometimes you can also wait to watch. Um, time will fill me to give you a whole history of mine. But mine started that other way. You know, the, just that in my case, as it began, God just told me, don't say anything. I will let my servant confirm it. So in that case, I didn't say anything. Every encounter I had, I kept it until one day as service was going on and an anointing service was going on my senior pastor just stopped and said this is the one i've been looking for and then he began to say everything that god has been revealing to me so in that case it was the other way rather than me approaching so there can be two ways to the approach all depends on the circumstance but both ways is still not wrong and in both ways there will be that confirmation because god will not bypass the process that he has laid Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Bishop. You're most welcome. Yes. Um, so, you, you know, you spoke about confirmation from your pastor a lot. Mm. Does confirmation always just come from the pastor? 
or can it come from other sources? So maybe friends, family members, other people within the church, or even a pastor from another church. And if it can't come from other sources, then how, how can you trust them? How do you know that that source is actually a good source to rely on? Right. Okay. So that's a, that's a double question. Um, so the question again is that if confirmation is necessary, as I've been teaching and as the word of God points out, must confirmation only come from, or does confirmation only come from your pastor? And then also if, if, is it also possible that confirmation can come from other sources? Okay. So the answer to both is yes. And yes, but with the following explanation. Right. Okay. So yes, because God has set order in the church. And so whatever be the case, the involvement or the inclusion of your pastor is paramount. Okay, so you may get people saying things to you outside or even someone in the congregation come to you, but all that must still, the greater weight of it must still come from your pastor. And I'll explain from the biblical perspective. It is not because the pastor wants to control you, but it's because when God sets order, in his house, throughout the scriptures, from the Old Testament to the New, he never bypasses the order. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, that obey them that have the rule over you. That means that God has set some order in the house in which some people rule over some people. And these are your pastors. So your pastor, the senior pastor, has a role to play in the matter. And I'll explain uh, deeply with that. If you look at Hebrews 13, it's a very interesting chapter. Um, because Hebrews chapter 12, the last verse of chapter 12, tells us that we have to offer acceptable service to God. And then in chapter 13, it started off by telling us various aspects of what is considered acceptable service to God. And then when it got to chapter uh, verse 17, it's lifted an aspect of that service, and that is to obey, submit yourself to the order that God has set for you in the house of God, which is the church. And so your pastor has a role to play because can you imagine that you are in a place where God has order, and then he will only speak to you, but he won't speak to the one that he has placed in the place. He, he, he doesn't work that way. So we see that example in the case of Samuel and Eli. You know, God could have spoken to Samuel without Eli. But when you follow the scripture in Samuel, you realize that in the end when Eli taught Samuel how to hear from God, when God finally spoke to Samuel, he said to him, I have already told Eli the things I'm telling you. So by the time Samuel went to Eli to finally tell him in the morning that this is all that the Lord said, Eli confirmed it. You know, and that gives you some legitimacy and gives you some credibility. So God won't bypass the order in his house. The next thing that I want to talk about in that context with scripture is 1 Corinthians 14, 32, and then verse 40. Again, when it came to prophecy and having received a revelation from God, Paul, by the Holy Spirit in teaching the church, said that the spirits of the prophets are under the control of the prophets. Verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, 
as in all the churches of the saints. So it's not only one church, but in all the churches, God is not the author of confusion. And then in verse 40, he says, let all things be done in order and in decency. So the point is that the, your senior pastor has a role to play in confirming the call. Um, his, his role cannot be thrown aside because it, it will not be complete without the set order of the house. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 2, you will notice that there were prophets and teachers in the church in Antioch. And the Bible said, as they fasted and prayed, the Holy Spirit said, in the church setting, separate to me, Paul and Barnabas. So God may be telling Paul and Barnabas something already, but it was in church that it was confirmed by the leadership of the church. And then the leadership laid hands on them and sent them away for that missionary work that he has called them to do. Except that if we look at that again, we notice that it's not that they left the church completely or broke away something, but they went to work and they came back to report again to the church. And so that confirmation is very necessary um, that involves your pastor. Now, in the case of Samuel and Eli, we can see that the same issue was played out. Confirmation can come from other credible sources too, but God is not the author of confusion, you know, because otherwise every senior pastor will be there and somebody will just come and say, eh, I met some pastor outside the other day. He said, God has called me that I should leave this church, you know. So, you know, that's going to be confusing all the time. That's okay. So for the one that God has put here, God does not respect him at all. He just talks to other people and does not consult him. He doesn't need consultation, but at least he tells him something to give the confirmation to the person who has heard from God. Um, what is also very important is that um, it looks like currently in the body of Christ, the only time people seem to have heard clearly from God is about they being told by God to leave a church. You know, that is the most strange bit of things. And, uh, but I need to put on record that if you study the scriptures and you follow the ways and dealings of God, God speaks to all of us. But actually, they're speaking to a person to leave a church, to go and start a church, is a very rare one. The current cases where we have got all this happening all the time, there are a lot of questions that have been asked about it. It's either something that has got to do with discipline, you know, indiscipline, um, lack of patience to go through process, etc. But if you look into the scriptures, you find that you don't see so much of people being just called to go and start their own church. You know, it, it must be a very clear and specific calling of God. And it doesn't happen very often. Most of the ones that we are seeing are always linked to a disagreement over some administrative procedure, etc. Or people want to also go and show that they too they can do it better. And so a lot of motives have gone into going out and saying God said and then going to do something. The other challenge also with that is that they are also... You know, as men of God or pastors, you need to be very honest and genuine in that even if God calls someone, you don't fight it. The reason why some of these things happen is because there's also a needless suspicion that your pastor might withstand you or oppose it or as they say, he's going to sit on my ministry. So now I have to be rude to leave 
you know, you, you, if you have called by God, you cannot exhibit rudeness to live because you have heard from God. You know, it suggests as if you are the only one who heard from God. Nobody has heard from God, so you become proud and arrogant. It doesn't work that way. So the point is that confirmation must come from your pastor as well, but confirmation also comes from other sources, but it does not take out your pastor when God is approaching issues. And one of the other reasons why you need a confirmation from your pastor is because of two things. Your the church you are living, whatever, if it is I've heard from God regarding living, see, because most of the time that's the issue. As you're hearing from God for any other thing, that confirmation, when it comes, it gives you confidence to go forward. So that when there are challenges and Satan comes against you, you know that this was confirmed and this is God. So it gives you an assurance. But with the other ones where it's like, God says, I should leave this church. Okay, that's fine. The reason why you need your pastor to confirm it is because it is also in the interest of your pastor and the church you are living. So that when you go out there and go and, you know, practice certain doctrines which are not correct, people will always link it up to where you came from. So they will think where you came from is where you learned that thing. And therefore, it ends up affecting the integrity of where you came from. You know, there's a very popular prophet in Nigeria. I won't mention the name. Um, but when people have questions about some of his practices, they unfortunately also link it up to a particular prominent man of God also from Nigeria who he had had some, you know, acquaintance with. So they try to link it that both of them are using the same spirit. You see, when things go wrong, they try to trace your source. So it's very, very important that it's in the interest of where you are living that they are very sure that you heard from God and that they release you safely. To go. Um, the scripture tells us also that in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 10 to 12, the Bible says that when King Saul, the first king of Israel, when his father's donkeys got missing, and God used that circumstance to bring him towards Samuel, and Samuel told him that the real reason why you came was because God wants you to be the first king of Israel. Samuel then gave him certain signs. That will come to pass after he walks away from him. And when those signs are confirmed, he should be confident that he's the one God has chosen to be king. And one of them was that he will meet a company of prophetic worshippers and he will begin to prophesy. And the Bible says when he left, indeed, it came to pass. He met a company of prophets and then he began to prophesy. And the Bible said it happened that those who knew him before were surprised and they said, that what is this thing that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then the Bible says, certain men, a particular man, also said, but who is their father? Very important question. Who is their father? This company of prophets, who is their father that may have allowed the son of Kish to prophesy along with them? You see that as soon as he started a ministry, being prophesying, people started questioning where did he get this from? Because he didn't belong to this category at all. Who gave him the right to do so? They are questioning his authority to minister that way. You find out the Jews also asked that question about Jesus a couple of times. Matthew 21, the Bible says they came to him. You see the same account in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They came to Jesus and questioned him and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you the power to do what you are doing? And interestingly, anytime they questioned him, he also referred them to John the Baptist. 
because it was John the Baptist who we can say, for the want of a better word, who ordained him publicly so that it gives him credibility because for Jesus, he came from the tribe of Judah. And by the law of God through Moses, priests and prophets, most of the time, they only come from Levi. Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi. His father also was not a priest. For you to be a priest, according to the law of Moses, you must be a product or an offspring of a priest. Now, Jesus was nothing of this. He came from Judah. And out of Judah and out of Nazareth, nothing was mentioned about priesthood and prophets. And so they questioned the legitimacy of his calling. But that is why, because he had not committed any sin, he still allowed Don the Baptist to baptize him publicly. Because as for John the Baptist, the people didn't have a problem with him. His father was Zechariah the priest. And so he's qualified to be a prophet and qualified to be a priest. And both parents, John the Baptist's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, came from the tribe of Levi. So for John, he's a legitimate prophet from the line and from the law of Moses. So for him to lay his hands on Jesus and baptize him in the water gave Jesus a public credibility for his ministry. And that is why if you watch those three instances recorded in scripture from the Matthew account, the Mark and the Luke account, each of them, whenever Jesus was confronted as to what authority he was using, he always referred them and posed a question, John, before I answer you, tell me, where did John's baptism come from? Then the Bible says they conferred among themselves and said, if we say John's baptism came from heaven, they will say, why didn't we believe him? And if we say that he is not from God, they, they will stone us because all the people hold the fact that John was legitimately a prophet. And so then Jesus, then, then me too, I won't tell you, if you say you don't know where John's baptism or power came from, then I'm also not going to tell you where mine came from. But indirectly, rhetorically, he's telling them, check with John. If John approved me, then mine is legitimate. So there is that bit from your pastor, which is necessary in the confirmation process. And that is why people will also question what is the source of the authority by which you are doing these things? If it is from that church you were living, did they give their consent? Did they confirm it? So that you don't go and practice something that may impact negatively on where you are living. Secondly, it is actually in your own interest, especially the one that is saying God has called and you must leave. It's in your own interest where, where you are living, they affirm you properly and they send you off properly. It's beautiful, it gives you credibility, and it gives weight to your ministry to go on and do what is right in the sight of God. So that is a proper order for the house of God. With all other things in terms of maybe you get a direction as to whether you're going to buy a house or you marry that sister, all those things. It's always also important that your pastor has an input, but it does not take out the fact that there will be confirmations also from other sources. And those sources, I think there's a question as to whether those are credible. Those sources also must be fact-checked. Again, that's where your pastor comes into the picture. Because with his experience, he will know what is a good church, who is confirming it, whether they have any interest or not, you know, and whether they are being led correctly or not, or they have already got a selfish interest in pulling you out. Because with experience, we have also seen it. That people have been prophesied out of their churches. False prophecies. You know, say, I know God is going to use you. And where you are, it's not the right place for you. You need to move. 
And God is saying you're about to move from that place to, to where? You know, all these things that go in the body of Christ is, is not proper according to Scripture. The only challenge there is that every man of God, when this is brought to your attention, be genuine and true. My pastor was genuine and true. He would have loved me to be pastor in that church. But he called me and told me, I have dreamt three times that you are a tree, a mighty tree, growing outside the walls of my compound. I can interpret it. I understand it. I need to let you go before you become a pastor here, before you become anything significant here. I will back you. I will support you, but I will need to let you go. Now, this is genuine, despite all the things I was having within me. And even the effort of that man, of that wonderful man of God, who would have wished that I pastor some of his branches outside the UK. I mean, outside um, Ghana, you know, and the support that was even there for to come to England, you know. But then when these revelations came, he has to look at all of that and honestly say, I believe there is something else God is calling you for. That was genuine. Otherwise, I'll stay there. My heart was not to move. So I always tell people, I did not break away from any church. I was properly released by revelation. So it is always the best thing to do. If your parents or your father can come to where you are, then you didn't live properly. Amen. 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 Wow. I told you we are going to be blessed. Amen. 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 Um, I have one very interesting question here, Bishop. So yes. I'll ask this and then we'll go back to the questions that we've already received because it's kind of linked to what we are saying. Right. So the question says, um, what happens when someone has been truly called by God, but his or her senior pastor doesn't want him to leave? In that case, what do you do? Right. That's a good question. And again, that took me back to what I'm talking about. You see, integrity is key for ministry. In Psalm 78, the Bible says, David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and by the skillfulness of his hands. No pastor who fears God, who has met God, should be able to stand in the way of preventing anybody who has been genuinely called by God to leave his ministry to go and do something else. You should not stand in the way. Because if you stand in the way and it is really a call from God, it will come with pain. Because if you keep the person, one day God's will will still be done. And maybe it will lead to a bigger split and so many other things that you won't be comfortable with. In the past, you could see the reason why some of this rudeness or you know, lack of respect and I'm going to leave come what may. It's all because of this suspicion that your pastor might block it. No pastor should block it. If it is confirmed genuinely that God wants the person to go and start something new. What we need to be careful of is whether it's your own ambition. Because I can tell you from experience and from the word of God that 90% or more of that is more about personal ambitions. More than a call of God. You see, because a call to start something new must be another word that the body of Christ has not been acting on. That God will have to stand on an apostolic mission to bring that clear word. But a lot of them is all about little disagreements and I'm going to prove myself. And that's why they go with the mindset of trying to prove something rather than following what God asked them to go and do if he did call them. So the truth is that the pastor should not stand in the way. And if he stands in the way, then that is what leads to the rebellion. 
You see, that is what leads to the rebellion. But I believe that the body of Christ must be so healthy that we shouldn't come to that point. But that is the first principle. The person must be able to sometimes also be humble. And even if the pastor is not releasing you, there is no emergency. I can promise you that. There is no emergency. Stay in and pray. Ask God to do his will. God will know how to move things. God will know. Sometimes God may send someone, maybe another man of God, who your pastor respects. He brought him into the pulpit and the person may, by the leading of God, call you publicly and say, this is what God is saying. And that will be too overwhelming again to ignore. You know, so make sure that you go through every process that you need to go through, but don't break the rule because that's what Satan is looking for. And mind you, if you break the rule and break off in any way, I promise you in the name of Jesus Christ, you will reap it. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together. You will go and start whatever it is. At some time, somebody to arise from it who has been called by God. And at that point, you need the person most. And that is when that also begins to happen. And you say, oh, wait a little bit. Don't go now. And, that, and then the person will also do to you what you did before. Make sure you are not sowing a seed that you will come back to reap. So when that happens, we must still follow process. If it's becoming too much, look for another pastor, senior minister, who your senior pastor respects. And if you feel that overwhelming edge, and you feel it's a genuine call, and that maybe even in private, your senior pastor has even confirmed to you that he knows it is the call of God, call upon that friend of your senior pastor. Draw his attention respectfully. Take him like, you know, like the way Ahab um, did with Jehoshaphat, and let him take you towards Elisha, so that at least it can be settled. The aim is that don't live with bitterness. It will come back to bite you. As for God, he may have called you, but when you break his process, you will see that he doesn't do certain things the way you think he does things. And that is what is very important for us to understand. And exactly what has he told you to do? Again, when you believe he has called you, speak the truth. Because with experience, most people don't speak the truth. They know where they are going, but they say they don't know where they are going. They say one thing to the senior pastor and say something else to the congregation. So you see, you are not being honest. If the Holy Spirit is in you, be holy in all these avenues. This is not a social club that someone has started a boy scout. So you two are going to do. This is, you are dealing with powers of darkness. And it's very important because when a tree, you know, when a branch of a tree is cut, it can cut itself off and lie there. And it will still be green for some time. But after a while, it will begin to wither. It's just a matter of time. The calling will be confirmed by when you go and what you go and do. And that is why it's important. Even if you are hearing, probably your pastor will be able to guide you and say, I think this is not to leave this place, but actually for this mission, I think this is where it will be better for you to function. You know, and that will be honest. But pastors too, senior pastors, be very honest. Be very honest. Be very honest. And make sure that you are not manipulating the person. I have come to realize you don't have to manipulate anybody. If the person's heart has departed, there's no need to keep the person. It won't work. It won't work because the vision must be shared and somebody must support it. So if my heart has departed, whatever ideas you come and let's share, you know, I won't support it. I will protest and I will sabotage the work. And that's what people do. 
which you must not do because remember, it is not his work. It is the work of the Lord. So whatever you do, God will still deal with you. As for God, don't take him for granted. Don't, don't take him for granted. The other day he sent Elijah to go and pronounce judgment on Ahab. Um, yes, Ahab, because he took the vineyard of Naboth. When Elijah got there with full force to announce prophecy and judgment, and he announced it. Look at Ahab. The Bible says nobody has done more wickedness than him. He surpasses all the kings of Israel with wickedness. When Elijah pronounced that you have organized the death with your wife of Naboth, the Bible says as he turned away in remorse, God looked at it and turned to Elijah and said, I will, I will look at Ahab. The way he has, is going softly, I have changed my mind. I will bring this judgment on his descendants, but not on him. That's God. That's what Jonah knew about him. That This never you're sending me to. If I go and prophesy, I know you. If they are sorry, you won't kill them. And he went. And he announced it. And the people repented and he got angry with God. This God, his ways are not our ways. So be careful. Be careful. All right. I hope I answered the question. Yeah. Okay. So we have it. Um, if your pastor is not releasing you, there's no rush. Stay in there and pray. Don't break the rule. Amen. Amen. And that brings me to our very next question. Yes. What are the consequences of spiritual errors? Some of them. What are the consequences of spiritual errors? I think that the major consequence of spiritual error is doctrinal error. Doctrinal error. And doctrinal error, you see, doctrines inform our practices. So, Whatever we do in church is based on a doctrine, a teaching in the word of God. So if we start misapplying the revelation that we claim we have had from the word of God, because we heard a voice. Remember in the book of Timothy, we are told that we should be careful that in the last days, um, perilous times shall come. People will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines taught by demons. And they will ask people to abstain from marriage and from food and so many things. Now, so it tells you that the voice you are hearing can direct you to engage in a certain doctrine and inform a certain practice. Now, that is the most dangerous bit of things. So people can leave and then they end up hearing a voice that now tells them they should, everybody should start drinking blood. Because Jesus said, if you drink my blood and eat my flesh, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no eternal life. That is a wrong application. Now, if the Holy Spirit is in you, he's the author of the word of God. So he will interpret the word clearly. One day Jesus told the people, you walk in error because you don't know the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. Those two are important. So, Anytime we walk in spiritual error, especially in hearing from God, the chances and the consequence of a wrong doctrinal practice is very, very high. Uh, if you read about Jim Jones and those other people, eventually ended up killing the whole congregation. They believe him so much that God, everything he said was gospel. And then he comes to tell them, God says we should be ready to go to him and, and gas the whole congregation to death. You know, so these are dangerous things. Very, very dangerous things. It's very strange practices. You've seen that some people start chewing grass, you know, in, in, and bring it to the congregation that people should start eating it 
because God is giving a word. You know, they are drinking bleach and so many things that if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. <laughs> you know, so doctrinal error, you know, error in terms of Bible, biblical practices is one of the dangerous things. Um, it can also be that if you didn't hear from God and you move like that, it has got its own consequences. You know, financial hardships, uh, difficulty, trouble in the marriage. Some people are in the marriage breakup. Because it's God said, God said every minute of the way. Even to go and drink water, God said. You know, and then it becomes overwhelming and it becomes controlling. And some of those things, it leads to a cult. You see, because that is where the whole thing, God is saying you cannot leave. God said this is where you are supposed to be and you cannot leave. You know, and, and, and so many things. And, and it leads to, one thing leads to the other. And it becomes controlling and it becomes controlling. And then the dangerous things of what I'm talking about is the practices, you know, strange, strange practices. And because you want to, if the devil is the one you are hearing from, then he will guide you gradually and you, you end up into witchcraft. Because you may think you are hearing God, but you are now, you are now a witch. You have been initiated into stuff. And then when you die in that state, I don't think you are going to go to heaven. And the people that you have misled, you know, and that is why it's important that there's scrutiny Throughout the scriptures, whenever we say we have heard, them always have to be a confirmation. In fact, in the Old Testament, a rule was given to them. In Deuteronomy, it was there. Ezekiel also said the same thing. It says that if someone comes and says he's a prophet, whatever he says, if he doesn't follow through and it doesn't come to pass, don't fear him. Yeah. He's lying. Yeah. You see, that means the people even were asked to make sure that they check it out, that it is correct. So God will speak, but that is why God has given us pastors after his own heart, who will guide us. Because remember the Ezekiel 13 account, it says they watch over your soul. If God placed someone to watch over your soul as one that must give account and he's a shepherd over your soul, which the Bible clearly says in a, a, um, Hebrews 13, 17, then, you know, you can't be hearing outside that person. You know, that person has a role to play in, in making sure. And throughout the scriptures, it happened that way. And so we need to be very mindful of that. Amen. 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 Um, so, Bishop, if yeah. you commit a spiritual error mm. in ignorance, I don't know if that happens. I mean, I don't know how you can be ignorant about it. In case you commit one in ignorance, does that excuse you from the consequences or do you still have to face it? Um, well, the, the point is that if you... There are three, there are a few dimensions to the question, you know, as in, if you do, if you commit that error, which actually you haven't heard from God, but you said you have heard from God, or it wasn't God who is speaking, it's a God said, and then you went on to show disrespect to the other. As for God, if you disrespect his servant, <laughs> it doesn't matter the oil on you, he, he will judge you, <laughs> he will judge you, that one, because the, the man of God that you are disrespecting because you have heard from God, has God rejected him? Check the scriptures. Even when God clearly came to Samuel to tell him that he has rejected King Saul. Then after some time, God came to Samuel. Saul hadn't died. Saul was still on the throne. But Samuel knew that God has rejected Saul. And then God came to Samuel and said, It is time for me to activate what covenant Moses established by that altar 500 years earlier with Amalek. That it is time for me to do what I need to do against Amalek. Because when they fought before they entered the promised land, Moses went up the mount, you know, when he lifted his hands and, and Aaron and her supported him. 
and Joshua was winning when Moses' hands came down. You know, when that victory was wrought, the Bible says that, and Moses established an altar there, that forever let this altar speak judgment and war against Amalek. And so after 500 years, God remembered that that altar was speaking. And he spoke to Samuel and said, Israel must go and avenge Amalek. And Samuel asked him a very important question. You said you have rejected the king. So who will order the battle? God said, the king I've rejected, he will order the battle. Him as a person, I have a problem with him. The office I place him to, I still hold sanctified. So because of that office, he must order the battle. He as a person, I have a case with him. I have a case with him. You are not the one to judge him. That's what the Bible says. Who are you that you judge another man's servant? So the office I have put him in, that office I respect. So he will order the battle. And so had to order the battle. So you may think God has rejected someone, but he hasn't. In terms of the office, the person God put him in. And that is why it's very, very important that we are sure that we are not breaking those. If you break those rules, that's when the consequences you will not escape. You know. And so again, if in ignorance, there are others that follow others in ignorance, like um, the case of Absalom. You know, he thought he has got a legitimate right because when he looks into the, the word of God, his father may have broken the law of Moses. Because the law of Moses says that anyone who rapes anyone should be stoned to death. And when um, Ammon raped Tamar, uh, Dave, uh, David didn't stone him to death. Um, so, you know, Ab Absalom believes that he has some legitimacy to take the law into his hands if his father didn't act. Um, but he, he was wrong. <laughs> he was wrong. He acted, he staged a coup, his father fled the palace, but God did not give him that throne. So he died for it. And the Bible says, and there went out some men who also followed him in their simplicity and in their ignorance. And they didn't know what was at stake. And they backed him. And the Bible said they all died. What they didn't realize was that the king met his generals and said, spare my son. But all those who are following him killed them. So they would have followed in their ignorance, but they still died. So if somebody does it in ignorance, only if they could realize it, and ask God for forgiveness, that's fine. But there are many things that are outside us. We can tell how much and how far God may judge the matter. But when we look into the body of scripture, these are the things we can bring out from. You know, like the Absalom came. That's why I was telling one young pastor some time ago who was in America and was trying to do the same thing. I don't think my pastor is doing the right thing. He's not preaching the right words. I said, be careful you are not Absalom. Because you are looking at the thing just like, you know, him to think my sister was raped. Daddy was both priest, king, and prophet. He should know the law. He should stone him. But he didn't realize that his father was also a type of Christ. And therefore, he could use the right hand of forgiveness and apply it. And even though on paper, he appeared to have broken the law of Moses by not stoning the one who raped. Don't forget that the lady that was raped was the king's own daughter too. But he's, he didn't realize that it appears on paper he has broken God's law. But when the matter came to the heart, God judged on behalf of David and not Absalom. So we need to be very mindful of the principles of operations of this God. This is not, you know, sometimes you hear people say, you know, you can't be an apprentice forever. Okay, if everybody became a master, who would be a church to go to? Don't interpret ministry in the context of business. 
This is where people get it wrong. I've been here for I need to go and do my own. No, you are not an apprentice that is working at a fitting shop. <laughs> like a mechanic or, you know, or a seamstress. That is now your time to go and set up your own shop. This thing, there's a difference between zeal to do things and divine calling. It's, they are two different things. We may all be called to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have all not been called to be evangelists. That's a different thing. King Saul, one of the first signs was that he will prophesy. That was one singular act of oppressing the gift of prophecy. It did not make him a prophet. God just used it for that confirmation for him to know that he's the one called to be the king. But he's not a prophet. It was one of. Operating the New Testament Holy Spirit gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, all those things, don't make you a pastor. It's every Christian can operate that. There's a revival in Samaria in Acts chapter 8 was God used Philip, a deacon in the church. The Bible says evil spirits crying out with loud voices came out of many. He didn't interpret that to mean he's now an apostle. He still remained deacon. That is why when all the breakthrough came and the whole city has been saved, under normal circumstances, people have said, now it's a confirmation that God has called me for me to pastor all these people. So I'm going to now you know, become second Holy Ghost revival ministries. He sent to headquarters and Peter and John came to pray for the people for Holy Ghost baptism and he finished the work there. That is the way things work in scripture. And so that is my response to, to that question. Wow, this is very deep insight. Thank you, Bishop. Um, I'm being so blessed. I don't know about you. I hope that you are too. Amen. 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 We have um, two questions mm. um, that have come in. Okay. They are quite similar. So I'm going to read both of them. Okay. And then um, if you could help us with the answer, Bishop. Yes. So the first one says that, does the call of God always mean you must leave the church? Mm. Can it also mean you are called to serve in that same church? So Amen. that's the first one. Right. And the second one said, why will God ask someone to leave a particular church to start another since we are all doing the same work in his vineyard? Please, can't God use the same person in the same church to do whatever he would like him to do or him or her to do or pay the ministry he's calling him to? Amen. Amen. These are very important practical questions that we see in our day. As I said earlier on, from experience, from the word of God, the call to go and start your own ministry. When I say own ministry, I'm using that advisedly. We all know, when I say my church, I'm not saying that I own the church, but it's just to put it in context. So, you see, that type of calling, I'm saying, is a very rare type of calling. You see, check the scriptures. Let's use New Testament. Let's put the, let's put the Old Testament on hold a little bit here. But I believe that in our day and age, if somebody had the experience Paul had, they would have gone to start their own church. Because it was not Peter who preached to him. It was not James. It was not John. It was none of the twelve. Jesus Christ himself met him on his way to go and persecute the church in Damascus. And he had such an encounter. Don't you think he should have just gone on his own? That is not the plan of God. And throughout, Paul did not break away from the church. He stayed in. Remember, he served in Antioch with Barnabas and Silas. And then when there was a dispute about a doctrinal issue um, that led to the Acts chapter 15, 
first general council meeting of the church. Paul was part of the delegation from the church in Antioch who went to Jerusalem to seek interpretation of what it is. Because there were other people who have now come to the church in Antioch who were Jews, who believed that anyone who was not a Jew, your salvation is not complete unless you abide by certain laws of Moses, like circumcision. So it was always causing trouble there, and that's why they headed to Jerusalem to go and find out. And throughout, whatever Paul did, he still came back to check with the apostles in headquarters. He said, I went back to check with those who were apostles before me. He's anointed, he's powerful, he's writing scriptures, and yet he never broke away. This thing of God has called me to leave the church. Most of them, I can tell you on authority, God did not call. Most of them has got to do with submission issues. A lot of them have got to do with submission issues. And again, you must be a Christian. A Christian is one, a mature Christian is one whose life is governed by the word of God and whose conduct is influenced by the Holy Spirit. Which Holy Spirit will tell you to rebel against authority because he has called you and there's an emergency? No. People can be called by God to serve in the church and they can be pastors within the church and they have unique callings within the church. There was in the church in Antioch, prophets, teachers, they were there. Later in Acts, the Bible said the companions of Paul, they went, they came to um, Caesarea and they went to the house of Philip the evangelist. You see how he has graduated. He was part of the first deacons. Later on, he was described as an evangelist. See, we, we grow in the calling of God. We grow in the calling of God. So he stayed in the same church and he's an evangelist. And he has four daughters who were prophets. And they have all not broken away. They stayed in the church. Because the ministry inside is, is huge. It's huge. So make sure that it is really a legitimate call and not your own human desire and ambition. A lot of people live like that. Just give them five years. Five years is always the mark. Archbishop Vidahosa said, kerosene revival. It will burn. God is saying, God is going. And then after a while, when you come and face the battles on the field, then you realize that this thing is not a social club. This thing is the real devil you are dealing with. And maybe for all you know, he has lured you out of the place. May we have a generation who understand the ways and dealings of God. And some other pastors too, outside a particular church, should stop calling people out of those churches to prove that they are prophets or prophetesses. You know, it is said that it is better to be the leg of an elephant than to be the head of an ant. Because even the leg of an elephant is big. So you can pastor a branch, which is fine. When you are within a bigger, really called ministry, than to go and start something that you are the head of an ant. That is not growing. It's not moving anywhere. And you are struggling. And you have to find out. As for the tree, when you cut the branch off, after a while, it's green. But after some time, it will start to wither. And that is why it's very, very important. We get it right. I tell you, any genuine man of God really loves you. That's why he's investigating to find out, is this really God? But as the question says, I believe that people can be called to serve in the house of God. You can be called to be a pastor. You don't have to be the head of a church. And in many ministries, we've seen a lot within ministries. Great men of God within ministries. You know, there's a very prominent ministry in Ghana. They had a prophet 
great man of God. You know, and I'm, I'm not sorry to mention his name. Prophet Christopher Yawano. If we talk about prophets, genuine prophets in Ghana, I believe he is a genuine, authentic prophet of God. Way back, whatever I'm doing today, he prophesied it exactly at a charismatic youth camp way back on the University of Ghana. Somewhere in 1991. Okay, he has everything it takes. He, he could have also have gone to start a church. He's pastoring one of their branches and he's doing very well and he's still a member of their church and a pastor within that denomination. With the gifts and callings and graces on him in terms of prophetic accuracy. Man, I'm sure he would have come under so many pressures, but he has stayed because that's where God has called him to be. So the fact that we prophesy doesn't mean we must go outside. That's where God called you. All the fivefold giftings must rise within the church. So this whole thing of every now and then God said leave. This God has been asking people to leave. We have to check whether it's him. <laughs> because the evidence on the ground in most of the cases does not support that. It does not remove the fact that he does call. But I'm saying it's a very rare thing. And that calls for some extraordinary grace and an extraordinary work to be done. Because there are many people who don't need to have started churches. They needed to have stayed under ministries and they will flourish. They will flourish. We've seen people who were doing very well until they decide to go and stand on their own. And then they wither. Because we are all wired differently by the anointings on our lives. You see, there's a way the front door of the house is wired from the way the toilet door is. If you change the toilet door and bring it to the front, Autumn winds alone will make it, you know, it will shrink. Because that front door there is reinforced in such a way that whether it's winter, autumn, whether it snows or it doesn't snow, whether it's a hot weather, whatever it is, typhoons and hurricanes, it will still be standing. Not everyone is wired to the front. When you're operating under a great ministry and an anointing and great grace, just like Joshua, You'll be going in and out, and you become famous in the congregation. But there's someone up the mountain who is actually controlling things by his intercession. And when Moses' sons came down, Joshua was losing. It was very clear. It's not so much about the skill of Joshua. It's the platform that has been created for him. This thing is a divine calling. It's not... Amen. They are not all called to the front doors. Some of us has to be back doors, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. A house has to have a back door. Yes. Amen. 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 All right. We are moving on. Interesting discussion. Interesting answers. Blessing answers. Answers that are meant to help us to avoid these errors. May God help us to be able to submit ourselves to counsel and to the fathers and the mothers that he has placed over our lives. Amen. 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 So I have another question, Bishop, yes. and it says that what do you do about a pastor who leaves out of disagreement mm. and later begins to tap members from the mother church? Is this proper? Should a pastor who leaves a church to start his own continue to invite old members to his new place? Okay. So question is, what do you do about a pastor who leaves? He says God has called them. Mm. They leave and then they start inviting people from the place they have left. To come and join them totally ethically immoral 
wrong. Wrong. The people you are put, pulling away, you are not their pastor. You are not their pastor. They have a pastor. So you are stealing sheep. And you reap the consequences. For a while, it may appear to be working. But remember, whatsoever a man will sow, you will reap it. You will reap it good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. It is ethically wrong. You believe God called you, go on your own. He will bless you. He will give you your own people to lead them. It's not what someone has brought. And that is also what is leading to all the divisions among pastors in the world today, especially in the body of Christ. Because one pastor is hurt. That is why you can't have, if you look at the Pentecostal front, you find out that a lot of pastoral associations don't stand well because pastors are hurt. You see, he's, he's, he's hurt by that other pastor who took his members. Or one person left his church and came to them and you didn't come to check with him, his side of the story. So when he meets you on that association, he's already suspicious of you that you are against him. So they don't get along, you know, and all these things are inside people. And that is not very good. So the point is, don't do it. It's wrong. It is morally wrong. It is spiritually wrong. It is ethically wrong. Because we are all called to certain specific people. There are certain graces under which we thrive. And so if you pull people out of a place, somebody has painstakingly labored to bring them up, to pour into them. And you think you will weaken that church by, you said God called you. God who called you does not steal. If you believe in God, you grow grass. Sheep will come. You have your own that he called you to pastor. But not someone's own that he has labored to bring up. So this whole thing, again, it tells you how people don't respect God. Because if where you are taking the people from is the house of God. And those people are there brought up to work within the calling of God for that house. Remember, that is the place that you were brought up from. And if people had done that some years before you arrived there, would there have been a platform that would have developed you? So which kind of Holy Spirit called you and taught you how to steal people? And for you to succeed in doing that, you must be slandering the pastor of the previous place to discourage them from being there. And that makes you a liar. That makes you an agent of the devil. And that doesn't make you a correct person. And the devil will trap you nicely. It's just a matter of time. Make sure that if you believe God called you to leave, leave alone and go and do what you said he should. Because you bring in some other innocent ones. And if you're a member of a congregation, be careful. Be careful in following people like that. You need to be very careful. Because in the end, it can turn on your head. We've seen people do that and they end up burying other people. So you have to be careful that you too that want to follow, did God ask you to leave? It's a very important um, question. come yes amen amen, amen. um bishop we have another question here and yeah. i think it goes back to the confirmation right okay it says um how do you handle a situation like abraham mm. being asked to leave his father's home by the lord in the context of the church setup mm. bible was silent on whether abraham informed his father or not or whether <laughs> the lord also spoke to his father 
Okay. So maybe ask the question again. I think there was a noise, so I'm not sure whether everybody Okay. Heard. So it says, how do you handle a situation like Abraham mm. being asked to leave his father's home by the Lord mm. in the context of the church setup? So the Bible was silent on whether Abraham informed his father mm. or not, or whether the Lord also spoke to his father. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, the first thing that we have to settle is that in Genesis uh, 11, where this incident is recorded, the Abraham's father, uh, who was Terah, uh, you know, gave birth to Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And then Haran died, who was Lot's father. So um, Abraham's father, Terah, had to leave the heir of the Chaldeans, where they, they were originally living. And then he had to move with Nahor and Abram uh, to a new place. And at that time, he has married Sarah, so he took her along. And they went to live in a place called Haran. He has a son called Haran, who had died. But there's another place called Haran, where they went to stay. And whilst they stayed there, then Abraham's father, Terah, died. Mm. And after he died, then God called Abraham in the chapter 12. So chapter 11 is the history of Terah and his children. And then chapter 12, God called Abraham. So when God was calling Abraham to leave his father's house, his father was not alive. The house the father went to, let's say, build or hire for them to stay in in Haran, is where he was being asked to leave Haran now to a place where God is calling him to. Now, in the church setting, no father is dead. Sometimes God initiates new revivals, um, and so he has to start from somewhere. For instance, Abraham, um, Adam and Eve don't have earthly parents. There's no woman who gave birth to them, and there's no man who gave birth to them. That is a template for the first time. That is God initiating something. Since then, Everyone had to follow the process of coming into the world through the womb of a woman. And the son of God had to observe that process. You see, God, again, his order won't be broken. It's only Adam and Eve who had that exemption. Even Jesus doesn't have that exemption. A woman gave birth to him. So that process had to be followed. So sometimes God initiates fresh things like that. And so in the case of Adam, they don't have an earthly father. And that's how God did it. In the case of Abraham, his father had died. He was now the father of the house. And God now tells him, leave this physical location. When he says, leave your father's house. It doesn't mean your father is here, abandon the house. When they left, there's nobody there. He had to leave and go. Maybe they would have had some descendants or grandchildren and other people that may be left behind. But Abraham and Sarah didn't have their own children. So he has to go and God says, I will show you a land and I'm going to do a new thing with you. So in that context, he didn't have any other person to confirm anything. God, and then he took Lot with him to go. That's a new thing God was doing. It's similar to 1 Kings 17 and Elijah the Tishbite. The scripture opens with him. We don't know his father, mother, nothing. Elijah the Tishbite. You know, so much as Samuel was the one who started preparing the grounds for prophetic training and school of the prophets, Elijah took it to another level and trained all the rest of the prophets out of whom we have the order that was coming from there. So again, God could have an Elijah the Tishbite situation. But these are all rare events. Now in the context of the church, the Bible says, and God has set in the church apostles, prophets, 
evangelists, you know, miracles, etc., and the, all the order for the house. And then we come to the Ephesians 4, where it talks about the fivefold. God set it in the church. You know what? <laughs> Something is set, is fixed. So there is a permanent father in the house, in the New Testament context. So when it comes to confirmation, you are not going to be an Abraham. Neither are you going to be an Elijah. You see, because if you follow from Scripture, you find out that that confirmation ran through exactly. So um, that, is, that is the point. In that con- context, um, Abraham's father was dead. That was why the Scripture didn't say anything. You know? And if God will use any of your parents to confirm anything, they, they must, first of all, are they men of God or women of God? Because again, the ambition of a mother or a father can move a son into, into ministry, which is not really the kind of calling that God was calling him or her to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God normally don't do that. He will do that later on when the major confirmations have come. You know, even if you use your parents, that, that you don't take that as the overall thing. You have to wait for the weightier ones. Because they will be able to, by the leading of God, you see, your pastor is experienced. He has heard God before. Just exactly what Eli, the prophet, uh, the, the priest had, you know. As Samuel ran to him, one, to say, Papa, did you call me? He said, no, I haven't called you, go and sleep. You know, then he ran back again. Please, did you call me? He said, no. Third time, he said, did you call me? He said, no. Then the Bible said, Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Why? It is possible that maybe 40 years earlier, that's exactly how he had it. So he knew, hmm. God talks me this way. I think he's calling you. Next time you hear that voice, respond this way. Respond that way. So when you say you have been called, your pastor will have to be involved in confirming something for you. But the the key here was that in the case of Abraham, it's a different thing. And we can't have an Abrahamic situation in the New Testament church. Amen. Amen. But we are have, enjoying it, yes, so let's, are, let's take, some more, yes, we'll take okay. some more questions. Yes, we'll take some more. Thank you, Papa. Um, do pastors actually recognize spiritual errors within a man, and how do they do that? Okay. Yes, pastors do recognize spiritual errors. Again, we are looking at the genuine, honest pastor who is not adding anything to anything. Whether the decision is not going to favor his own plans or not, he's honest that God has spoken. Okay. Now, they are able to recognize it because that is the mantle he's carrying. See, pastors are ordinary, but they occupy an extraordinary and supernatural office. They stand in the spirit. Remember, the Bible says one of their job descriptions is that they watch over your soul. <laughs> that, that tells you that he's ordinary, but he's not ordinary. And that's very, very important. We are all born again, but God has set this in the church. Hebrews clearly says that throughout the scriptures, Paul said the, the pastors that rule well, see the word rule is given, they are worthy of double honor. So the question is that do pastors actually detect error? The pastor is supposed to teach truth and to help the congregation to distinguish between error and truth. So pastors can pick it. Spiritual error and doctrinal error is able to pick it. And they pick it by the gift of the spirit that is in them. See, when everybody operates, let's say, the gift of prophecy, when a pastor is operating the same gift of prophecy, he operates it from the level of the pastoral anointing on his life. So it's of a higher dimension. And in the same way, so in picking things by word of knowledge, 
or picking things by gift of descending of spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit in him, this is one of the major means by which pastors could pick error. You see, the lady in Acts chapter 16, she was preaching and she was telling people, Paul and Silas are the men of God that show us the way of salvation. What she said was true, but Pastor Paul picked it up and detected the spiritual error that what she's saying is true, they are the men of God. But the spirit that is speaking through her was not the spirit of God. So he picked it by the spiritual gifts. So pastors genuinely called of God can pick and detect spiritual errors through the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Um, if you please, Papa. I yes. have two more questions. Let the yes. questions count. Good. So um, the next one says, um, whoever preaches the word. So I'm assuming that this is someone who has committed an error mm. and preaches the word. Will mm. they still be able to go to heaven if what they preached is or was right? Um, if, if they're already in error mm -hmm. and they are preaching. Mm. And it takes us back to Acts 16 because the girl was also preaching. And what she was preaching, she said, these are the men of God that show us the way of salvation. So what she's saying is correct and begins to follow Paul. And then Paul preaches and that person gets saved. That person will be saved. But it doesn't mean that the girl was not in error. You see, as for God, for his name's sake, a donkey may preach, but a donkey will not go to heaven. So if, if, if we are in error, the, the remedy for error is repentance. But if the person is preaching, if, if somebody has to believe the message that is being preached and they got saved, They'll be saved, but you, the, the one that committed the wrath for God, he will still deal with you. Mm. You know, when David sinned and Nathan came to tell him, God said, okay, that's fine. I've heard him, but uh, there's, in the realm of the spirit, the, you have caused the enemies of God to triumph. Uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm fine that he's sorry, but the sword will not depart from his house. <laughs> and so judgment started in David's house and it wasn't a very pleasant thing to experience. So we cannot tell. When this God uh, decides to judge you differently, but whatever be the case, if somebody, for his name's sake, somebody will be saved. Mm. That one, fine. But as to the person who committed the error, God will deal with the person differently. As to whether they will go to heaven or not, it's all dependent on what is their relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Because there are people who are not of God, but they use the name of Jesus Christ. Paul says some people preach Christ out of envy. And to put us also in trouble. So that person who is preaching Christ out of envy, somebody will hear the message of Christ and will still be born again. But that person who is preaching the word out of envy or out of, to create problem for Paul. Because Paul said those things in the context that some people don't like him. And so where he has not even preached at all, they intentionally, for instance, may go and stand at Downing Street and preach and say that they are coming from, this is done. They say, we are coming from Christ Church International. We are preaching. And then they'll come and arrest me because, you know, they just want to put me in trouble. That's exactly what they were doing to Paul. <laughs> just to create problem for him. Where Paul has not even caused any problem. They go and cause problem there and go in the name of Paul's ministry. So, in the same way, that don't broadcast, somebody may be born again in their room. For his name's sake, the person will be born again. But the person who went to create the trouble for Paul, God will judge, with, will judge that person. And so that, that is my response to this very Amen. Uh, question. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Papa. So, um, you know, it's almost as if he's reading the questions that's coming. I know he's not because I can see his, last, uh, his iPad. 
Um, but he said that the remedy for error mm. is repentance. And that leads to the last question that I have for you today, Bishop. Right. And it says that what happens to a person who commits this spiritual error of mm. leaving a particular church wrongfully mm -hmm. and goes around slandering and being malicious towards his or her former church mm. and after some time decide to come back? Please, what should the approach of his or her former church be? <laughs> Hallelujah question. It's a good question <laughs> to end on. <laughs> hey, Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> well, as I said earlier on, we are supposed to be Christians. And as Christians, the key is forgiveness. Slander is a very wicked thing to do. Slander is the job description of Satan. Actually, that's the meaning of his name. Satan means slanderer, opposer. One that speaks evil of others maliciously to draw the attention from that person um, so that that person's integrity is weakened or abused or maligned. Mm. Now, when somebody has done that and slandered, they, they have a lot of problems to deal with. They ask for the church the church must forgive because the church must be Christ-like. As for judgment, it will come from God, but the church will have to forgive. As to the decision to get the person back in, it will be a multi-dollar question. <laughs> Forgiveness is mandatory. God requires us to do it. Trust must be earned. And that is where the challenge is. Would the church trust this person again? The church will forgive, but would they trust you back in? Would you be able to fill in? Because you have a, that person will have a lot of work to do as well. But you still have to be like Peter. The choice between Peter and Judas was Judas can't stand the humiliation. So he went to kill himself. But don't kill yourself. Be like Peter, you know, try and just force your way. <laughs> you deal with a lot of things. People like Bartholomew will laugh at you and say, you were telling us to leave, but you are now back. <laughs> if we had all left, would there be anything for, for it to be a blessing for you? You know, so that, that danger is there, but it's going to be tough. For the forgiveness, it must be done. But the trust to receive the person back, you are not sure whether the person is coming back to gain grounds again to do more damage. Mm. You know, so just like the church in Jerusalem were wary of Paul, it had to take Barnabas to end his trust and for him to actually to be trusted by the chief of the apostles, like Peter, James, John. These stalwarts have to really probably check with Barnabas time and time. Are you sure the guy is not coming to use a trick to get us you know, and so that is where the danger lies. That, that is going to be a very tough decision per church. You know, depending on how much damage was caused by the other person. And that's why I said the person has a lot of work to do. Because if there are people still in the church who you were telling that they should leave. And now you are coming back. That's one question for you. Then the people that you helped by lies. Who left. And then they hear you have gone back. You have an answer for them too. So... You have a complex situation to deal with, but be a Christian. If you feel that's the right place for you, go and apologize. Maybe the other approach which a church can adopt is that you meet this person, you spoke to the person, he comes in to apologize, he's sorry, he's asked for forgiveness, you forgive him. He must stand before the congregation. Mm -hmm. 
and renounce all the things that she said or he said before the whole congregation. That will be one of the greatest points because that will heal many who are hurt and wounded, but then that will prevent that person from going into the congregation to do that again because everybody heard you when you stood there yeah. to say everything that you said was a lie. You didn't know what happened to you, blah, 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 all those things that you come up with. You know, somebody said that when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they are doing. You believe they know what they are doing. So, in this case, they know what they are doing. But their life is in the balance. They are, you see, your conscience is what you deal with in the end of, at the end of the day. And so, from the biblical approach, there is that place where for restoration to take full place, forgiveness is mandatory for us to end the trust, for a particular church to end the trust. This is what this person may have to come and do. They have to stand before the whole church and admit everything. So that once you do that, it will be impossible for you later on to start visiting church members or use your phone to be calling people and start the same ministry again. They will all pick you out straight away. So that will be one of the approaches. And I subscribe strongly to that. <laughs> that would be a greatest test of your ability to submit. <laughs> Hey. Wow, wow. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I told you this evening was get understanding evening. Mm. And truly, there has been understanding. Amen. Amen. And Bishop has answered a lot of questions. Um, he's enlightened us a lot. Um, I know there are probably a few more questions. Um, you can still send them in. Uh, we trust God that we'll find a way to answer all those questions so that the church is enlightened and we can all help each other to avoid spiritual errors. Amen. Amen. So on behalf of everyone, with a clap and some shouts and some emojis, like I said, I just want to say thank you so very much, Bishop, You're for taking welcome. the time to answer our questions. Amen. We don't always get to ask these questions. And yes. so we are very happy that... Um, you gave us the opportunity to ask them without any judgment <laughs> that we've been able to ask the questions that we really needed answers to. Mm. And we thank you for answering them for us. And we pray that there'll be more yeah. questions. Yeah, in the hurry yes. to clap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you clap. <laughs> it's an exciting church. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Um, I, I know I probably speak for everyone when I say that we should probably have this more often. Mm. Um, because um, now that we are all in lockdown church, we don't get to see you often. So yeah. we don't get to ask all our <laughs> questions. And so we would like to, you know, ask the questions. But mm. Thank you so much, Bishop. We are very, very, very grateful Amen. for this evening. Amen. 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 Wow. Wow. We thank God for tonight and i believe that you've been blessed we will do this again we'll do this Amen. again and it will become a regular feature of the church you know every now and then we may do that probably after some series and then we come back to have a q a which will help deepen the understanding of every member of the church and we thank god for all your lives i pray that this teaching will help you to be able to help others number one to help yourself out of error and also to help others. Whenever a teaching comes, don't think it's about the other person. Pick it first, learn from it, and then you go forward and be able to teach others also. The scripture says that Ezra has prepared himself to study and to prepare 
to know the teachings and the practices of the Lord so that he can teach them in Israel. So study them for yourself and teach others. And I believe that going forward, God will be, God will help you to be able to do this effectively in the name of Jesus.